heard much about that either. And so really this is kind of a new thing. Um, but as we've I've thought more about it and we've kind of been preparing, it's just evident that God really wants to, you know, adopt our hearts financially. Like take us into his heart and, and give us his characteristics in this area and, and teach us to think like him. And um, <clears throat> that's just, it's, it's exciting to think about. And so, you know, this isn't a class about budgeting or, you know, how-tos on money in general, but it is just, um, you know, letting the Lord kind of teach us about who he is in this area and letting him change us for the good. So um, I'm expecting and anticipating a lot of freedom. And on top of that, this is just kind of an interesting thing, is that, like, Right around like November or December, I believe maybe it was in December, I saw a picture of just in, um, I was just sitting in the cubicle back there, and uh, I saw a picture of like a, a river and there was like a dam holding back the water and there was like a little trickle coming down, but it was like, it was like the Hoover Dam. I mean, it was, it was a dam. And I saw a breaking of that dam, just completely breaking and just the water just gushing forward and it was just like kind of shooting out. And, um, I felt like the Lord said that that was <coughs> a picture of what He's doing with the finances of New Day and the people of New Day and that there was going to be this kind of breakthrough and it was going to be like, you know, intense when there's something held back and then there's a breakthrough. It can be really intense at first. And so I've just been praying into that ever since. Well, tonight we were praying for this meeting and Bill said the same thing. He said he saw a picture of a river and a dam and that he said tonight just from like people praying through things and like letting the Lord do stuff in our hearts that there was going to be a breaking of that dam and that there was going to be a bursting forth. Was there anything else to that? That you felt, or was that pretty much it? So I was like, no way. <laughs> That's like a, a confirmation of the thing that we have already seen, <clears throat> which is really cool. Um, so I, I really firmly believe that our relationship with money, you know, like we have a relationship with almost like a person or, you know, things in our life, like, you know, our relationship with sleep or our relationship with food or whatever, our relationship with money can be restored fully and and brought back into, you know, health, basically, because of God. I really firmly believe that God can do that, just like he can restore all things. Um, And so I think tonight is just an opportunity for that and to, like, you know, explore that area. And um, I was, as I was kind of doing some study, I, I just recognized that in the Word of God, you know, God addresses wealthy people, and He tells them. Even Jesus, when He's talking, He addresses wealthy people and He tells them how to work with their money. And and then there's also just that interesting spiritual gift, which I don't know a whole lot of people who have voluntary poverty as their spiritual gift, but I know that it is one. And, and and so when you look at that, it's like voluntary poverty is actually something that God calls some people to. And there's obviously, just from the Bible, there's wealthy people that God, you know, recognizes and instructs them how to handle their money wisely. You know, so so there's, there's all the range, you know, that we understand. And yet, whatever that range is or wherever we're at in that range of poor versus wealthy or somewhere in the middle... You know, we can have a, a healthy attitude or a healthy relationship with money, or we can have an unhealthy attitude or relationship with money. And, and you can be wealthy and have that unhealthy kind of thing going on, or you can be poor and have that, or you can be, 
you know, poor and have a great relationship with money or, you know, wealthy and vice versa. So, I mean, really, it doesn't really matter where you are on the scale. It really just matters that our heart is in a good place. You know, that the motivation for how we spend money or how we do things or how we think or operate lines up with God and his word and all that stuff. And like the seven deadly sins, I was thinking about this. You know, there's greed and there's, what, what's another money one? Greed and jealousy is another one that can affect money. You know, there's, there's some, some of the major sins that actually really affect money. And so those things can be hooks in our relationship with money as well. And so we want to just look and, and actually just look within our hearts and let the Lord just show us stuff, you know. And, and then we can just give it to him and he takes it away. But at the same time, which is, Bill and Marilee are going to be talking about some of the things that we teach about here at New Day that have to do with healing and restoration and how money kind of intertwines with that and how we can look at, you know, ungodly beliefs surrounding money and all that. But then there's also the other part, which is what I'm going to be talking about in a little bit, which is about how God is our father and how he's our good, good dad and how he wants to adopt our financial hearts and how we can become sons and daughters of him in this area. So that's what we're going to be doing. And um, after that, we're going to be having some ministry time to give you guys an opportunity to to pray through some of the stuff that we've talked about and what's in your packets that you have. And then after that, we're going to all stand together and make some declarations that are from the Word of God, which is on your last page of the packet. I'm really excited about that because it's good stuff. When you speak with your mouth... You know, it is powerful. And so when you make a declaration, something shifts in the spirit. And I'm telling you, these declarations that I've printed out are scripture, which is even more powerful. So here you're, you're combining this, you know, the spoken word with the power of scripture. And you can, like, speak these over your life every day, you know, speak them over your financial life every day. And I, I guarantee you'll see something shift. Um, so with that, I'm going to welcome the Menzers to come on up. The amazing Menzers. And um, they're going to take it away. They're going to blow your minds. <laughs> All right. So we are so excited to speak about this. As most of you know, we have such a heart for healing and restoration and just letting God heal the places um, in us that are, have been wounded from various reasons in our past and so it's been interesting to look at um, some of these topics from a money standpoint and a little a little new for us but it's been really good so we're excited um, so if you want to open to your packet on the ungodly beliefs in money page two um, we're just going to start with um, ungodly beliefs is the first the first heading here. Um, so some example, well first what an ungodly belief is, anything that we believe that God doesn't believe, simply put. So um, it could be a belief about him, it could be a belief about yourself, or a belief about someone else, other people, that he doesn't think, then it's an ungodly belief and we don't want to think things he doesn't think and so it's good when we realize them so that we can get them healed up and in, in alignment with what he thinks so some examples would be um, of an ungodly belief would be the rich are only out for themselves or um, you can't have it all um, or don't expect too much 
aren't these like things we hear all the time? <laughs> it's not what God thinks. Um, or money corrupts, money is bad, having a lot of money is bad. Um, or I can't have more than enough. Um, and um, one of the, the common, uh, well, I don't want to say common, but something that can be twisted in the Bible um, is there's a verse that says money is the, the, lo- the love of money is the root of all evil. But um, sometimes it can be misconstrued that money is the root of all evil. And, um, and so it's really the love of money. It's that thirst for money that can cause all kinds of strife and compromise and regret and things like that. So um, that's an ungodly belief example. Um, Another one would be, I have to pick to either have money or serve God. I can't have both. Um, and that can come from the verse, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Um, but really, um, that can be taken out of context because um, really mammon is the love of money. And um, when Paul is saying that, he is talking about the point is to be content with what you have. And um, it goes on to say that God will never abandon nor forsake us where it comes to our material needs. And Paul's saying to have a flexible outlook, which can be content with both plenty and little. Um, and plenty is not the ideal, and little isn't the ideal, but being content is the ideal. Um so, yeah, so kind of like you can start to think, okay, what lies might I believe regarding money? Um, do you want to give any other examples right now? Sure. Um, so one thing when I was thinking about this was um, the lottery. <laughs> what do you think about when you think about money? Apparently I think about the lottery. Um, and I think... Um, one common um, ungodly belief or one thing that people you sometimes hear people say is this concept like they wouldn't necessarily come out and say it all the time but this concept that winning the lottery would solve all my problems you know like in an instant your life is going to be great where now it's not Um, you know or or, you know, right now life's not so great. I don't feel content. They wouldn't say content, of course, or, or I wouldn't say it if it were me. Um, <laughs> you know, if I just had enough money to buy this thing, you know, or if I just had a house that, that was like this or this kind of car or whatever, you know, and it's just kind of that preoccupation with if I could get the next thing or the better thing, um, it would all be okay. And, um, you know, Marilee talked about that and contentment. Actually, the verse is um, from Philippians 4.12. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Um, and so, you know, you might have heard statistics about lottery winners. A lot of them end up bankrupt. You know, the, I spent five minutes Googling and... Um, <laughs> The the only scientific study I came across said that lottery winners were twice as likely to go bankrupt, but you often hear higher statistics than that. Maybe you could find a study and let me know about it if you do. Um, 
And so I guess the point, the, the takeaway for me from that, which everybody probably is thinking too, is um, it doesn't solve all your problems and um, it's probably more likely to reveal issues. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, so then I read an article about uh, a guy who won the lottery and didn't go bankrupt. And actually he is working on turning his, I forget what it was, to... 200 and some million or 82, I don't know, some ridiculously big number into a billion dollars is like his goal or whatever. And so they had this article on this guy. He's doing that. And like you read through and he's like really organizing all this stuff. And it talks about what he spent his money on and what he's doing with his life. And this guy um, is teaching spinning classes back at the gym that he was working at before. He took a month off because everybody was asking him about the money and the lottery and stuff. But then he came back and he said, oh, I realized I'm still me, they're still them, and so I'm teaching spinning classes again. And he spent a bunch of money on uh, bikes. He's into cycling. But he um, didn't buy a fancy car, didn't buy a fancy house. He paid them off. <laughs> and, you know, he took some friends on a trip and, you know, set up this certain trust for his family and all that kind of stuff. And so I think in that case... Somebody who was probably content and happy with his life got a lot of money, and you didn't see him go bankrupt because his heart was already in the right spot. Um, So all of that just about ungodly beliefs. If we have ungodly beliefs in this area, and we did get a windfall blessing from God, you know, it might not go the way we think. And I think it's just good, you know, to examine our heart because I think these things, these ungodly beliefs kind of, hide in there and we don't have any expression of them because we don't have a ton of money. We don't know what we would do. You know, so kind of examining our heart is important um, to see what's really there. And like Sarah was talking about, bringing those parts of our heart to God, whether they seem, you know, if you find something ugly, <laughs> bringing it to God, you know, and if you find something good, bring that to God too. And, um, you know, God's heart is not of condemnation with the ugly parts. You know, he loves us and he does want to delight in us. And um, I'm excited about, um, yeah, people getting that. Yeah, so I have a couple um, other examples here that I thought of. Um, and this, and you'll find, and I found this was like that they apply to money, but you can see how really they apply to your whole life. Like, um, this one is, I can't be happy until I have that and that. You know, that is about money. It's about your relationship with money, but really it infiltrates beyond that. And it could be just this this sense of never having enough and this striving and this the way things are aren't okay, unable to have peace or rest. So it can kind of kind of begins to affect all, you know, areas of your life. Or um, if somebody were to believe, I don't have enough, I'm lacking, that applies to money, and and that can also be a mindset that can apply across the board in your life. Um, towards God, it could be like if someone were to believe that God won't supply me financially or won't give me money or that God can't, or that he doesn't want to. Um, those would all be ungodly beliefs. Um, another one would be, I don't need to be thoughtful about how I spend my money. 
doesn't matter. I'm just going to get more next week. I get paid on Friday. And after all, it's mine. So, you know, if you view it as just yours. Um, and really, I think um, <clears throat> this is something that I used to believe. Um, and I've come to realize and believe that really everything is God's. And not just money, but everything that I have, he's given, he's entrusted to me to care for and choose wisely my time, my money, everything, how I'm going to steward that. And, um, so not, so viewing money like it's your, it's all yours. And how do you want me to, you know, portion it and put it here and there and there? Um, it, you know, it totally transforms the way you think about it rather than it, it's like kind of it's mine. And I thought, um, <clears throat> let's see. Okay, so, so I, as I was thinking about this, I was like, money is like a tool, this tool here. And, um, money is a tool that he wants to use to bless people, further his kingdom, um, just make all kinds of great things happen in, in, with, in his plans for everybody. And um, so we all picture we each have a wrench. And, and what is your relationship with this tool? Are you like, mine, <laughs> I'm keeping it all to myself? Is it, oh, I don't really care about it, and throwing it around, letting it get rusty, obviously. That's what happened here. <laughs> you know, leaving it out, not really letting it get dinged up, not really care to, don't really value it very much. What's the big deal with that? Or like, or like, yeah, I'm just kind of scared of that whole area. That's not for me. That's, I, I do not want to go there. Or, or look at the wrench he has, like, Check out my wrench. Like, and look at the way he's using that wrench. And I, you know, I could never do that. And um, and so, or like, I'm just doing my own thing with this wrench. Whatever I think I want to do, or whatever I think is best. And then God showed me the picture, you know, that he wants to, that what he wants to do is like, look, here's a wrench. And he's like, has his hand and let me show you how to hold it. And then I saw like our hands on it together and he like wants to teach and, and we're like together. He's kind of like, I'll be God and you be the person. So like hold it like this. And then we're like together. And then he's like, look over there. See that bolt needs tightening. Let's, you want to go tighten that bolt? Okay, come on. <laughs> Look at that, you know, my plan over there, that one needs loosening. You want, okay. You know, and that, that, that's the, that's the tool is the money. And that, that's the relationship that he wants to have, um, with it, with us. Um, yes, and he had some more points that he wanted to draw. I love me a good analogy. So I had another twist on it. And, um, this twist is like, if we uh, have our our relationship with money in a good state and whatever, I think Marilee's going to use the term if she didn't say it already about having an open hand, and God can put the tool of money. We put the tool of money in my hand, God. 
Thanks. So we put this tool in my hand, and there's a task at hand right here. Like, oh, okay. So I do the thing, and then I have an open hand again. And maybe God will have me keep using this, or maybe he'll take that and give me, well, a different size wrench. Imagine we had two wrenches. Oh, we did. Oh, that's fun you grabbed, too. Yeah. Ah, now here's the smaller wrench. That one couldn't fit in the spot that this one can for this task at hand. So this one was just right for the thing he had for me to do right now. Um, so when there are times of want, you know what I mean, or when we have less, um, if we if we are willing to accept what God puts in our hand and use it for what he puts in front of us, that task, it can be just right. And then maybe at a different point in our life, we will have a larger <laughs> supply of money a larger wrench you know because at that time he has something bigger for us to do and just having that open hand and being willing if if i had this one first and i held to it tightly and i said no way god i don't want to take that little one then i couldn't i couldn't do the job where there's you know imagine a a bolt in the hard to get to place i couldn't do it this one's just too big you know so i think it's important to have an open-handedness yeah, and to 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 kind of be able to flow for things to look different and be different. If he's used you in a certain way for a couple of years, it might not be that way for your whole life. Like you're just saying, have a yeah. relationship. Um, <clears throat> so another ungodly belief is, and I think this is one that I I believe is once because I remember thinking this when I was younger. Once I have X number of dollars, then I can be generous. Or once I'm at this certain stage in my life or this certain age old, then I can afford to be generous. Or, um, <clears throat> you know, and I, um, I, I want to share my testimony about this. I believed um, that... I needed, well, I ha- I'm not sure where to start. If I should start in the middle and then go back to the beginning or start at the beginning, take you all the way through. <laughs> not sure. Um, I'll start at the beginning. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, I was probably seven. I'm not sure how old I was, but I had my first $9. And I remember that part very clearly. <clears throat> and I had a purse or a wallet. And so I was going to take that with me. So I brought it to church with me. And I was so happy. It was like my first time I'd ever like taken money anywhere. Do you guys remember that? Or like had your first like... Micah's going through that stage right now. And so I remember. But <clears throat> um, so I was sitting in the pew with my parents. And it was time to take the offering. And the pastor, um, you know, gave a little exhortation about giving and the importance of giving, and and um, talked about the the lady who gave all that she had, and um, talked about how when you give, God gives back, and that He's generous and He's going to give back and multiply what you give, right? So I'm little, I'm like, oh, okay. And so I gave all $9 in the offering. And, um, and I thought, I might cry. (laughs) 
And that's all I knew. That was like my first little teaching on giving. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to get, you know. And so what I realized I thought the next Sunday, I thought during offering, I, w- I opened my wallet and I thought there was going to be $10 in there. Like more, you know. <laughs> like that. I just totally believed that that was going to happen. And it didn't. And I think um, people can relate to that disappointment. You know, if if your heart is to be faithful to God and give, and you go through a hard time, or he doesn't give back the way that you think he's, you know, thought he would, it can leave you with disappointment. And so, I mean, I didn't know this at the time, but I was just like, I was just confused, and I was disappointed, and I just totally thought he was going to do that. And then, so... I lived the rest of like my childhood and really until I got close with Bill, um, believing the ungodly belief that um, I kind of needed to take care of myself or like that God wasn't going to bless abundantly and that I needed to keep everything that I had and take anything that was offered and that it was kind of up to me to care for myself. And so, like, while I would kind of be giving for random things, my heart underneath it all was, I really was, like, not in a place of trust and rest because I didn't really think that he was going to take care of me. And um, so then I meet Bill, and he's very generous, and he taught me how to be generous. And um, and at first he would, like, do things, or his relationship with money was different than how mine had been. He'd pay for something, or he'd want to give to somebody who needed something. And I just remember tensing up inside, well, what about us? What about me? And um, But anyway, over the course of... Of years, I be, I became to you know be generous too, and um and it became like this game. We'd we'd take turns each month giving away amounts of money. Like, okay, I think it's it's your turn. Like, okay, how about fifty dollars or in the next? Okay, I think we can you know whatever the amount was, and and it was kind of this fun thing that we would think of how we wanted to give that and um. And so that was that was really good. And then um, most recently, I had I saw this vision. I can't remember when it was, but I just saw the vision of my hand being open, and that God really wanted to really effortlessly and really easily put lots of money in and take lots of money out, and just that I would never go like this, or even like this. <laughs> Um, and and that that is is the way he wanted to work and um, and I think that's really for all of us that that our heart towards money should you know should be like this because he wants to bless us it, you know the Bible says that every good gift is from our Father and he is good at giving gifts and he wants to. And so if we have an open hand, we can receive what he wants to put in there. If it's like this, we're not in the position to receive what he has. 
you know, maybe he does want to bless you, but you don't believe that he wants to or that he will, and you're keeping him from being able to do it by, you know, by that belief. And, um, and so where was I going with that? Yeah, just to, you know, to encourage, because I don't think it's just for me, I think it's all of us, you know, to have that open hand and, um, you know, that we can be creative um, about, well, anyway, now it's like God will be like, um, now we kind of have fun with it and, and, um, and I'll say, God, you fill it and I'll give it. I'm ready. And so, so something will come up and, and I'll be like, okay, how shall we go about raising money for such and such God? And it will come up with something and then it just happens or like, um, my business is that I'm a hairdresser and so I have my own business and so that's kind of different than some people's situation. But I'll just have like, say an open block in my day and I'll be like, okay God, anything that happens there, it's all for X. Like I know a need that you care about and so, so it's like become this thing and it's been really fun. Um, or an idea could be like, sell something on Craigslist and give the money to the poor. I mean, I'm sure we all have something laying around our house that people would pay something for and that would give you money to, or like, um, if you have, you know, your budget or whatever, and could I go without this for a week or this for a month and then all of a sudden that would be extra money that you could then give. And so, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways that even if, if the budget is tight that you can still begin to cultivate this lifestyle of giving and learning. And if this feels scary, then asking yourself, why does an open hand with my money feel scary? And the answer to that question would reveal the ungodly belief that you need to pray through or need healing from. So, um, so, um, yeah, with an ungodly belief, if you are able to identify one, we're, we'll probably practice this later, but um, we bring it to God. We, you know, say, hey, this is what I've been believing, God, and I'm sorry that, you know, I wasn't agreeing with you. And then we'll, we ask God, what, you know, what do you think about it? And try to replace it with how he believes about that thing, about money or whatever little situation we're dealing with. Um, and... Um, yeah, so it'll be exciting to do that, and you can do that anytime, and we'll practice it later. But another um, example that I thought of was um, the idea that if I give more away, I won't have enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was as an example, I was trying to think, well, God, how do you think about that? You know, And right away I thought, well, God rewards giving. You can't outgive God. And... Um, and the verse, um, Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So there's maybe a tidy example, you know. Whatever your ungodly belief is, try to like really boil it down to its core. And sometimes it's easy, like later when we say, Hey, you've got five minutes to work on that ungodly belief or whatever. Um, it's easy to maybe not spend as much time on that part, but like later spend more time and really boil that down and really like, weigh it because I think the more 
we get to the core of the ungodly belief and kind of boil down the thing we write on our paper, the more we've really gotten deeper into the, our heart on that issue and the more directly God can speak to it and heal it and, and work on that. Um, but we, I, can I move on to the next one? I was one? just going to say one other thing about my testimony. Um, so as he's been giving me more, it's like he would, he's been, it, he hasn't just been blessing me to give, which that's great and that's what I'm excited about, but he's also like blessed me personally too, like with more money or more like just blessings because that is my relationship with money right now. And, um, and one time I had this extra certain kind of bigger amount of money that I knew in our little game was the part to be given. And I, I was driving home from work and I was like, okay, God, what are we doing with this? He's like, it's for you to buy this. And I was like, oh, you want to give just me something? <laughs> okay. You know, that, that that's what he does too. It's not all, you know, he wants to bless you and bless others. It's all good. So, um, <clears throat> judgments and expectancies. You can flip your little page on over. <clears throat> so, how many of you know that the law of sowing and reaping is so, so there? <laughs> it's so real. It happens all the time. It's so powerful. And I didn't even know that it was really something that happened years ago. But um, <clears throat> the Bible says you will reap what you sow. And um, with judgments, this is so true. If you judge some some someone, if you judge God, if you judge... Um, say your father or mother for handling money poorly. If you judge, you will reap. So, um, let's say you, let's say your your mother or father handled money poorly, and you could have a response to that, which looks like, I cannot believe that they are so. Awful with money. Look at how this is affecting our lives, and you're just anger, angry, and you just really judge them. Well, then here, reaping could look like now you've grown up, and now you or your spouse are struggling with the same things, and you're really handling money poorly. Your spouse is really handling money poorly, and you're just like stuck, and you can't not handle money poorly. And um, that is the law of sowing and reaping playing out. Now, you can have a parent who did that, and your response um, could not be judgmental. It could be like, wow, that is not good, and I see that, but, you know, I forgive you, and I'm not going to judge you. I will leave God as the judge. I will not sit in his judgment throne and take that um, rule, I will let him do that, and my position is to be a loving daughter the best I can and forgive you where it's hurt me and pray that you learn from God how to handle money. So, so there would be like two examples of maybe two ends of the spectrum, how you could respond to um, that. And, yeah. 
So what Marilee was saying is that a lot of times in, in judgments you reap in two ways. Either you find yourself doing the very thing you didn't like that somebody else was doing or you find other people in your life doing that same thing, right? Um, and she said that where you end up like you judge your your parents for handling money poorly and then there never seems to be enough to take care of the family and the next thing you know you know you're like why did i just make that crazy decision now there's not enough money and you're like you know if you step back and see it it's reaping through you or vice versa you marry somebody <laughs> and they end up handling money really poorly and then there's not enough to do what you need to do for your family you're reaping it through your spouse kind of having the same effect on your life that your parents did. Um, I go on to expectations. So then expectations was the next one. Um, and I'll maybe I'll paraphrase instead of finding it in your notes since you have it. But these are kind of patterns of thought um, that we have that kind of set an expectation for what's going to happen. And a lot of times it becomes what's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, have you ever heard of people standing in front of the mirror in the morning and say, you're a winner, you're going to do great today, this is going to work out? There actually is something to that. <laughs> Even secular psychologists talk about self-fulfilling prophecies and, and how much more so in a spiritual sense, um, you know, when we make... Uh, expectations on a spirit level about money, you know, that, um, you know, this is just how it is. You know, you grow up in a family where there isn't a lot. This is just how it is. You're just always going to struggle. You kind of set that expectation and then lo and behold, you reap that thing. There, You always do struggle and there isn't ever enough. Or uh, similarly, you know, you, you kind of set an expectation slash judgment based on those rich people, you know, be a politician or a CEO in the news or, you know, a rich family that you went to school with their kids or whatever. Um, you know, you set this expectation that people who have a lot of money are this way. You know, they are self-centered or they don't share or they're not generous. They, you know, are greedy. And then lo and behold, <laughs> you grow up, you're an adult, you forget that that even happened or that situation in the past and your expectation comes to fruition, the wealthy people in your life don't share. They aren't <laughs> kind to you with their money or whatever. And um, maybe they really, really are generous with their money, just not to you, <laughs> because of the reaping of that spiritual thing in your life. Um, or maybe you just end up around the ones who aren't generous because of this thing playing out. Um, you know, or if you judge um, wealthy people for not being generous and then lo and behold, you know, you get a job, you work, you're diligent, you're faithful with your money, you manage it well, you have some money and people find you not so generous. You know, then in that case, we're reaping it through ourselves, being the same way, you know, something you didn't like in someone else ends up popping up in, in our own lives. Um, so that's kind of the judgment and expectation expectancy part of it and it can play out towards god too like if you've judged god or your expectation toward god is you don't really want to care for my every need and you just start expecting him to be like that it's just like gonna play out like that he wants us to be like open to receive and then he'll dump it all in um should we just so the last one we were going to touch on was generational money issues. 
So this is a really good question to ask yourself. Do you see any unhealthy thought patterns or behaviors regarding money in your parents or grandparents that you realize you've inherited? So this could be things that you didn't even think about because it's just normal. You just grew up to you. It's normal because you just grew up and in your family, this is the way you view money. This is, you know, how 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 you think about it and it's just maybe not something in particular that you did or that happened to you where you you know had it but it's just kind of inherited through your family um, <coughs> kind of you know the sense of like hoarding or something like I need to I need to keep all that I have or whatever you could see wow well my mom or my dad, actually, they're really like that. And actually, his dad was like that. And you can, like, see, okay, that's generational. And then pray through pray through that um, prayer. So we're supposed to judge whether... <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, right, so as you take no, it's, it's really easy for me anyway, probably not for you guys, but for me... To slip right from, oh yeah, look at this kind of pattern in my family's little life to like, yeah, they really were kind of not managing their money to, you know what I mean? To slip into that judgment thing. We'll talk about how to deal with generational stuff and practice it later, but it's really good, the basis is really good to start in forgiveness, you know? Yeah, I just, you know, forgive you, mom and dad, for this way you were about money or whatever, and grandparents and that kind of thing, and try to come from that place and not let it turn into like, and you know, we, I tend to overanalyze. You know, I'm going to analyze the whole situation. And next thing I know, I'm kind of sitting over them, anal, analyzing, oh, kind of judging <laughs> how they handled money or whatever the thing may be. So, oh, I wanted to say one more thing about like the politician CEOs thing. You know, this is really common. I hear it all the time, um, you know, whether it be on the radio, people calling in radio shows or news or people at work and that sort of thing about, you know, those greedy Wall Street CEOs and, um, you know, those politicians, they make so much, they've got a lifetime health care plan, whatever, whatever, you know, you hear it. <laughs> and it's easy to think those things. And sometimes there really are bad things going on with those people. But um, I think one way we can reap that judgment or expectancy, you know, is that, you know, we get this idea that people in authority, people who make more, people who have more, are just out to screw you. They're out for number one. They're going to get wealthy, and they're going to do it on the back of my labor and effort, and they're just going to screw me out of what I'm what I'm owed or deserved. And, um, you know, there are bad examples of stuff going on, so it's easy to get there. But the what do we reap if we... <laughs> If we think that way, you know, if sowing and reaping really is true, lo and behold, we're probably going to find that our bosses aren't offering us raises, you know. And maybe it's because you end up with a, a jerk of a boss, but maybe it's because this judgment and expectancy has infiltrated our heart. And so then when we are at work, we don't perform well. So we're not really deserving of a raise. So then this idea or expectancy gets reinforced because we don't earn a good race. We don't perform well. We don't, you know, um, um, prosper, <laughs> right? And and it's just a way of sowing and reaping that, 
you know, we want to be careful of. And because it's so prevalent, I know I, I hear that kind of talk out and about and at work. It's something to be on guard about and really, you know, even if you don't have that going on in your heart, it's likely to be all around you. <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there to keep in mind as well. I was just, I just feel like I'm getting the sense that like with this group and stuff that we just love the Lord and we want to give and we are giving like that, that's where we're at and I feel like God's like, I just want to mag, magnify, make it even bigger. I want to, you know, I'm pleased with what you are giving and there's so much more I want to give you and there's so much more I want to do through you. And so I just see him wanting to just kind of take what we are doing and just like make it make it bigger and greater. And um, yeah, so I just want to affirm your giving hearts and um, say yay. Are you done? Yeah, and like... We try to give some examples from our life to help make it concrete or whatever. But I think no matter where we are, we're not trying to say that we're doing great at this. We feel challenged to do more and grow in this area. And wherever we're at, you know, there's, you know, really our view of healing and restoration is it's this lifelong process. You know, God is working on our hearts. He's perfecting us. He's drawing us closer to him in every area, you know, and he's doing that with us in the area of money. And there are definitely times I find myself being stingy and not, you know, generous. And I just, you know, recently, just before Sarah asked us, or maybe right after she asked us uh, to help with this, you know, that verse that I read about refresh, you know, a generous person will prosper, refresh others, and you'll be refreshed. I felt like, you know, God was calling me to be more generous and, Go farther with that and try it out. And like Marilee said, make it a game and have fun with it. And I think that, you know, we don't. it doesn't have to be this serious thing, you know. We can have fun with it and, and see what God does in our lives too. So, Yeah, so we just um, want to introduce Mark. He's going to come up and share a marvelous testimony. Marvelous. Yeah, Sarah just asked me to share... Quickly, Sarah's walking towards me ominously. Um, she's not. She's just walking forward. Um, so I just wanted to share uh, just a testimony that that I've seen in in my life, in my in Amber's life uh, regarding finances. And you've probably heard me talk. You know, a couple years ago, the father was really uh, beginning to. He was really kind of calling me back to to him and just restoring my relationship with him. I started going to the Iglesia, started praying, started kind of pouring out, started reading my Bible. And he was just filling me with this love and this passion for Jesus. And in during that journey, there was one Sunday, Sunday morning that I just felt stirred up in my spirit. Just I was just like, man, we need to start. We need to start tithing again. And we had tithed previously in our in our marriage, but it had been a, quite quite a good chunk of time, probably a number of years since we'd actually consistently tithed, um, just because it was you know it just didn't make sense on paper and it was scary and you know things were tight and Amber was going to school and it was just a really it was a difficult time financially and I just you know as I 
would do the budget or you know balance the checkbook or whatever I just felt like I need to be in control of this I need to I need to make sure that everything is going to work out so you we can keep the electricity on and the kids can eat and and all this stuff but I and I just didn't have there's just nothing in me that I just didn't trust that God was going to to meet those needs that God was going to take care of it and I was just like and I don't know if I actually thought those things out out loud or if I ever said it but that was kind of my heart as I did the budget I was like oh there's you know well we definitely want cable but <laughs> but like, tithing is out it's just not it's not, not going to happen we want expanded basic so and and so we just we just didn't we just made different decisions and so this Sunday morning um, I just really felt kind of convicted and I just like man we just need to start doing this and I, I talked to Amber about it, and she was, I was a little nervous about it because, finance, you know, I think finances and marriage can be kind of a dicey uh, topic, and so I was a little bit nervous on how this was going to go, but she was, she was like, you know, I just have been feeling the same way, and so it, we, we started just consistently giving just because, you know, I just wanted to be closer to Jesus. I just didn't want anything in the way of my relationship with God. And I just felt like this was something, it was an area that he was highlighting um, that I needed to give up. And he, you know, there was kind of a series of different things in this time of my life that he was just highlighting and saying, hey, just give this up or press into this or whatever it was. And I was just like, yep, let's do it. Let's go for it. And I didn't really have any, any expectation of, you know, that God was going to give back. I just was like, this is what God's called us to do. I want to be close to God, and so we just started doing it. And miraculously, even though in, on the budget it didn't really make much sense and it didn't work out, you know, it just uh, consistently every month worked out, and, and we made it, and we were able to pay our bills, and, and things were good. And at this time, Amber was substitute teaching. And I don't know if, if any of you subbed or know about subbing, but it is the most horribly paying thing that you can do, I think. I don't know if, the, if there's a way to make less money and work that much. So, but she felt like that's what she was, you know, that's what she was doing. She wanted to be a teacher. And so we, we started tithing, and within a month, Amber was offered a job teaching part-time at this uh, a preschool in Vicksburg. And it just, it was really amazing because there's nobody hiring teachers, you know. There's just, it was... I guess it's still similar to this, but there's just no teaching jobs out there. And so it was a real blessing that God just, he just opened this door and she made this connection somehow. And it was just an awesome blessing to, to see that, you know, as we stepped out and trusted, you know, God kind of met us in that and he was, he was faithful. And then, you know, things are kind of going along and I decided to go back to school. And as we were looking at the finances, and we have Amber student loans that we're paying and some other, some other bills. And I was like, man, I really want to go back to school. But if we take out loans and we graduate with X dollars of loans, we'll, we just, there's just no way we'll be able to afford to pay it back. And um, so I was just like, I, but I just felt like I was supposed to press into it anyway. And um, so I did apply for some loans and was going for that. But God just opened up these doors. You know, and Amber was blessed uh, to get a second job at the teacher center. And I got a second job working here at the church. And we've been able to just pay for the school. And I got some financial aid, which really helps. But, um, but, uh, 
you know, we've been able to pay for school as we go, which I just didn't even know was possible. I'd heard Dave Ramsey say that you shouldn't go back to school unless you can pay for it. But I was like, that's ridiculous. No, that's impossible. You know, nobody can do that. And so, but it's just been amazing. And, I, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't take loans out to go to school. I'm not making a call there. I'm just saying that for me, it didn't, it didn't make sense. And God has really stepped up and made a way for that. And so God has just, he's opened doors. And for us, you know, it's just been, yeah, we work a lot. And that's just the way that God is pouring into our lives. That's how he's blessing us right now. And, you know, it's not, I guess, it's not always going to be just like, oh, there's miraculously $10,000 in my checking account. But he's opened doors for us to step in and to receive his blessing. So it's just been awesome. Thank you, Mark. Mm-hmm. Give him a hand. Isn't that good? Good word, brother. I stole your thing, too. So we're going to, um, did you guys all get one of these? I'll give it back to you in just one second. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take just like three minutes for you to kind of just start writing those first three things. Um, five statements that describe your relationship with money and then looking at your parents' relationship with money and if you see any similarities. Just start thinking a little bit. Even if, like Bill and Marilee, when they were talking, some ideas came up about some ungodly beliefs that you might have about money, you can just write those on the second page or just in the notes, you know, where it says notes. Just start writing some stuff. And Stove, could you put on, like, just a couple of minutes of some soaking music? Um, and we'll just take a few minutes. So... If you need a pen, let me know. I can get you one. And uh, enjoy figuring out your relationship with the money.
Okay. Awesome. So, how's that going? Is it? Do you feel like it's hard to to kind of come up with what you what's going on, or do you feel like it's easy? Easy. Okay. Good. That's great. So, um, so Seth and I have always enjoyed kind of giving and we've really liked like the topic of money. We've taught at it in New Day a number of times. And um, because one of our gifts, like our spiritual gifts is giving and we we like to be generous. And like we've gone through seasons where we've been really generous and seasons where it's been harder to be generous (laughs) because of tough times or whatever. Um, Because we have hit those sometimes. Um, So I'm going to tell you a story about uh, when we have hit tougher times. But in general, I think I felt in the past like we have a pretty healthy relationship with money, although there's always room for more in God, you know. And and then we hit this one situation, which was really interesting. But um, we had bought a couple rental properties, and uh, we we had used a line of credit to purchase, like you put a down payment on um, a rental property to get in, you know. And... um, we had done that a couple times, and and then so I think we this was maybe after we had purchased everything that that we have now, and there was some hard times. There was some tenants that weren't paying. We had a really crazy situation where we um, had a place where the people left, but we didn't know they actually left or anything until we got a call from or we found out from consumers that the power. Like, they basically hadn't paid, and they, there was a shutoff on that property, and then it made us go out there to see what was going on. And not only had they left without contacting us, but the place was absolutely, completely trashed in every way possible. And uh, it was such an ex- interesting experience, but at that same time, like, three other things were going on in our other properties that were difficult, and we were in a tough place. So what did we do when we got into a situation where we couldn't pay our bills? Well, we would just write a check out of the line of credit and pay our bills with that. And our line of credit was growing and growing <laughs> with time. There was also a credit card we had had that was growing as well. And um, it was pretty intense. Like, you know, we would just, it, it was just not, there wasn't a thought to it. We would just, what are we going to do? Well, line of credit. Thanks, God, for that line of credit. That's awesome that you're providing, you know. And um, <laughs> and then after some time, um I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but some other friends of ours were going through some really hard financial times, and God was really speaking to them about a number of things. And then God really started talking to us through them and other situations just about where our hearts were at. And we realized that we actually were trusting in in debt in that line of credit more than we were trusting in God to pay our bills. And that revelation was just like, Ugh, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing right now. It was such a, a hit us, you know. And we we just repented. We, we prayed together, and we just repented for trusting in that line of credit, for trusting in debt. It wasn't quite that easy. It was a process. It took weeks, you know. It was a, it was, it wasn't, yeah, there was a lot to it. But um, but then um, we, were, we 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 repented. We like laid that before God, and we just said together, God, we declare that we trust in you. We trust in you. And then it was like, okay, what are we gonna do when we want to pay the bills? Like, what's the answer this time? You know. So we we went through 
the revelation, like realizing that we weren't trusting in God. Then we went through repenting and tr- and then declaring that now we, we are trusting in you. We are not going to trust in anything else. So it was this choice. Okay, no more credit cards. We're not, we're going to, and so we started getting rid of our credit cards. We started paying off things slowly, sometimes quickly, depending on how much they were. And um, we just absolutely stopped all debt in general. And then, but there were still problems. And we were in the middle of some big things. And so we would hit, you know, a month where it was like, okay, we need $3,000, Lord. Like, that line of credit really came in handy. (laughs) $3,000. How is that going to happen? We have no money. You know, we have a $3,000 gap. What is going to happen? And, you know, we would pray and pray, and it would be 10 days. And we knew that these bills were coming in 10 days. Okay, God, you know, how's this going to work out? We trust, and I would just say, I trust in you. I trust in you. And, and it, you know, the first month and two months were just hard. And, and what happened was um, the first month came, $3,000 is what we needed. And, and I, as I got closer, you know, day three from them being due or something, I just was like, I'm pressing into you, God. I'm praying. And I would ask, okay, how is this going to happen, you know? And then he, you know, I think that first month something crazy happened. We got like a check in the mail for like a thousand dollars from, you know, an insurance that we had on a place that we had overpaid for the year or something. And they were kicking it back, and we were we were amazed. Wow, a thousand dollars! This is crazy. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, there was like a time where the Lord spoke and said, "Do you remember that one bank you have? You don't really use that much. Well, in that account, there's some money to check it out. Four hundred dollars, you know. And and every month it happened where it would all add up. Whatever God would speak or whatever would happen, it would all add up, and the bills would get paid. So a month one went by, month two went by, month three went by, and never one month did we miss paying things. And 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 our mortgages always got paid by the fifteenth because you know the you get a late fee after that, and always would get paid on the fifteenth. And um and then we'd kind of come out of the time where it would be hard, and you know we'd be able to make our bills for everything, and tenants were paying and stuff. And then we might have a tough time again, and it was like, okay, God, how are we going to pay? You know this bill and you know it's just he's been faithful every time he's been faithful every time and he really took us from a place of you know we really weren't trusting in him and then now we've decided that we're trusting in him and he's proven faithful every time and I would say that was one of the times where we started really coming into relationship with God about money I mean we had in giving but we hadn't in paying bills and like going through tough times we hadn't really been in relationship with God about money. Before it was like, oh, what can we give? Kind of like what Marilee and Bill were talking about. We were really into that. But um, it was an experience of walking in relationship with the Lord because every month he had a solution that we wouldn't have thought of or I wouldn't have. And I had to press into the last minute sometimes, you know, like pay on the day or whatever, you know, make a call to the company and say it's coming, you know, and they'd wave the fears. You know, sometimes it would get down to the last minute, but he would always provide and always come through. And, you know, I've, I've really felt like God wants to adopt our financial hearts. He wants to be one with us. And then um, Jesus, he, he made a way for us to have that with the Father. And in John 17, it, he say, he's saying to this, to this, like he's around the disciples, and he's saying, I do not pray for these alone, he's talking about his disciples, but all for those who will believe in me, for all 
through their word, that they all may be one in, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be, be perfect in one. And, um, you know, he's just reiterating how he had a relationship with the Father that was oneness and how he wants us to join in with that. And, um, you know, Jesus was an amazing model of being the perfect son. He knew his father, and he would, he would act out as his father would show him what to do. And he says that in John 5. And um, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And so, and then he says, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. He's just saying like, you know, I, I see what he's doing. I know him and I do the things that he does. And I do them in like manner, just like he does them. Because the Father loves the Son. And Jesus was saying that to, to show us because the Father loves us just like he loved Jesus. And I love, like, I've been reading um, chronologically through um, the Gospels lately. I've been reading the Bible chronologically through, but now I'm in the Gospels, which is so interesting because you see the stories compiled together. You know, you'll, you'll see the, the Passover, the Last Supper. It'll be like, this is Luke's version. This is John's version. It puts all the stories together. It's just really interesting. So I've been just amazed at Jesus seeing what he, what he saw his father doing, and then he would do it. So, um, you know, um, there was this one moment when Peter is approached by a temple guy. I don't know exactly what his title was, but he was a dude from the temple. And he was like, hey, does your teacher pay the temple tax? Come on, you know. And Peter was like, yeah, 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 he pays it. And then he goes over to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, temple tax. And um, so Jesus kind of makes a point about, you know, we really don't need to be paying the temple tax because we're sons, but we don't want to offend these guys. So go go catch a fish, pull it out of the sea, and that'll be a coin. Go give them the temple tax. And it's like this moment where there's a need. You know, there's like, oh, what are we going to do about this? You know, just like, oh, the phone bill. Shoot, I forgot. You know, <laughs> what are we going to do about that? And, and, and Jesus is one with the Father. And so he, see, he sees, okay, there's a fish. And you're going to make a way for that fish to come or at the just the right time. And there happens to be a coin. There was one day when some kid flipped a coin and the fish accidentally swallowed it. We're going to just make that fish come to the surface so Peter can get that. You know what I mean? I don't know how it worked. But, like, the Father revealed to Jesus, you know, what was going to happen to provide for this thing that really wasn't, you know... You know, they didn't really have to pay it, but they wanted to kind of just bless these people and not offend them, whatever. Let's give them the temple tax. And it's just interesting to see how Jesus just continued to always provide and to show the disciples, like, what to do about things. And the Father would always make a way because he was always communicating with Jesus, and Jesus would just do in like manner. So Jesus had such a good relationship with the Father, and I feel like, just as Jesus did that, we can do that in our lives. We can embrace walking in relationship with the Father for every little thing, you know? He will provide. So I was just thinking about this because this happened a lot with Jesus where, you know, 
there's the triumphal entry. Jesus knows he's going to come in through the city, and he just says to the disciples, hey, you're going to go down the street, there's going to be a donkey tied up, you're going to take the donkey, and they're going to be like, hey, what's going on with the donkey? And they're like, oh, Jesus needs it. So um, they're going to be like, oh, cool. You know, and, and that's just how it's going to work. And, and then they would go, and it would happen, just as he said. Why? Because the Father had revealed it to Jesus that this was what was going to happen. The upper room for Passover, same thing. He's like, hey, so there's going to be a man walking through the city carrying a pitcher of water, and you're going to go up to him and follow him to his house, walk in, just be like, hey, we need to have a Passover. Can we do it in your upper room? The Lord needs it. Sure, no problem. It's just like every time, like the Father knew where there was going to be provision. He knew that the guy with the pitcher had an upper room that he would provide. You know, He knew how it was going to work out. And so Jesus would just communicate that to the disciples, and they would execute. Same with the the, the provision for the five thousand, you know, and the, the two times that Jesus did these miraculous miracles. It was like in that moment, actually, the best thing to do was to have a miracle. Let's not send them away. Let's just make something amazing happen. And it's like when 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 Jesus is in the relationship with the Father, He knows when is it time to send the people away. Or when is it time to actually have a miracle? You know, when is it time to do this and when's it time to do that? So um, he would send out the disciples and he would tell them exactly what to bring. You know, and so here in Luke 10, it says, Carry neither money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and um, greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, then your peace will rest on it. And if not, it will return to you. So, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wage. So he's communicating to them, this is what you need to do in this situation. You know, again, he's just walking in relationship with the Father. Jesus is doing this, you know, communicating to the disciples what to do, giving them exactly the right instructions for what they needed to do. And then what's interesting, they all come back, and, it, you know, it all worked out. Like, they all had their provision. And the reason why we know that is because... Um, in when they were going to go to the garden, they were leaving the Passover meal, and they were going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is like right before Jesus gets arrested. He said to them in Luke 22, When I sent you out with, without money bag or knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? And they said no. And so it's just really interesting because Jesus knew that when he sent them out without anything, that they would have what they needed. And I feel like sometimes when we don't have anything, when it seems like we don't have anything, when we walk in a relationship with the Father, you know, that's a time when he knows what we do need or what we don't need, you know. He knows exactly what's going to happen. But in this situation, he says, um, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he's, he's just saying, now we're going to go to the garden. I'm going to get arrested. You need your stuff with you because there's going to be a scattering. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And the difference is, is before when Jesus sent out the disciples, there was an openness to the Spirit and people were hungry for the, the Word of God and they were hungry and there would be provision there for the disciples and he knew that. But this time, the city's against Jesus and anyone who follows him and so there's not an openness any longer. And so no one's going to house those disciples. They needed to bring with them provisions for the road. And so it's like God knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And it's revealed here through this situation. And um, I feel like for, for me, he's provided at times when 
it's weird. Like, there's this funny story. We had our um, we had our uh, computer crash. It's kind of a long story, and I'm going to like completely compact it. Our computer crashed. Um, we lost all our information about how to do our taxes, like all of the past years and everything. And it was this long process. We had to contact the IRS and have them send us all our information so that we could do our taxes. So when we found out all that, we were supposed to file right away, and we couldn't. So we had to file an extension for our 2011 taxes. So we found an extension, and we ended up finishing them like, like way late in 2011. And so we got this huge chunk of money from our tax return, and it was right when all this stuff was going down with our rentals. And it was like all, like everything that could go wrong went wrong. But every time we needed to pay out something, there wasn't enough money. We had enough money from our tax return. And it was weird how God provided something so random. Our computer crashed. <laughs> he like ha- gave us the right of money stored up for this um, crazy time when everything was going to go wrong. And we had enough to pay everything that that was going on right then. It was amazing provision. And it's like he just knew what we needed when we needed it, you know? Crazy. Um, and I feel like the same thing here. It's like, you know, when we were praying for month to month on, like, how is it going to get paid this month, Lord? Like, how, are, how is this going to work? And, and he would say, remember that bank account? Or remember this? Or how about this? Or he would give these ideas for things. And it's just like how he did with the fish, you know, like, oh, there's going to be this fish that comes up. You just never know how he's going to provide. But it's really walking in relationship with the Lord, and there's no formula for it. It's not the same from, you know, month to month or time to time or season to season. It's a relationship with him. So um, in your financial heart, do you feel like you walk in relationship with the Lord or that that's a hard kind of area for you? And... And so do you feel like you're a son or do you feel like you're an orphan in your financial heart? And you might be kind of a variation of the two because I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm an orphan and sometimes I feel like I'm a son. But um, I'm just going to compare a little bit the difference between a son and an orphan. And um, and you can also kind of relate that because like in the world, you know, you might talk about poverty versus prosperity. There's poverty mentality and there's prosperity. Which one did I say? Poverty? There's prosperity mentality. And um, and I, I kind of like to think of it in relation to this as, you know, poverty mentality is like thinking like an orphan, and prosperity mentality is like thinking like a son. So Jesus was a son. He was a great example. Um, someone that might be an orphan might be like Judas. You know, he always had issues with the money and being giving and things like that. Um, but a son... Like Jesus said, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. You know, what is God's? It's the tithe. What is Caesar's? It's the taxes, you know. And um, and an orphan might lean towards, you know, maybe wanting to do things under the table or not being able to be honorable in small things or maybe cheating the government or people in situations because, you you know, you feel like you have to work things out or it's just, just better to you know, make it work on my own than doing it the right way, you know. Um, the question they might ask is, like, what can I get away with, you know? What can I do that isn't, you know, maybe following it, but I'm going to maybe make a little here, make a little there. Um, but if you're feeling that way in any way, you can ask the question, can I trust God? You know, can, why am I not trusting God? And then it could lead you down the path of figuring things out. Um, so a son would be motivated out of rest and joy, knowing his father is the source and where all money comes from, and he can rest in his father's provision. And um, 
an orphan, um, he will work out of striving with a motivation of fear and insecurity. And so, you know, and it can go either way. You can either work really hard and, like, kind of be controlling and working things out and, you know, maybe hoarding or whatever. Or you could be, like, super the other way, like, lazy or, like, not caring, empathetic, don't try, you know, all that, like, not work hard and not really try to make things work out. Um, and back with the tie, that might be, like, well, only when I can afford it or, um, you know, it's just when things are going good, then I can tie. That's like a thinking that is more like kind of based on my circumstances and not based on that God is good all the time and that I need to just give him because I trust in him. And for for me, you know, it's always been like, you know, and, and it talks about in Malachi, like tithe of the first fruits. You know, it's tithing the best, the first portion. And so to me, that makes sense when I think about present day is that it's like I tithe off the top. You can always afford to tithe when you tithe off the top. And then you watch God kind of do the rest. And that's so true, like Mark's testimony. You know, when you tithe first, you give him your first fruits. You're telling him that you trust in him more than you trust in all those bills getting paid or or how I'm going to make that work out or whatever. Um, Yeah, and then like... There's this uh, commentary on prosperity versus poverty, and it's, it, this is like a secular kind of comment, and, and it's just interesting how they kind of talk about it, but I'm just going to read this. Um, poverty is not an absence of money and things. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking that is said to perpetuate poverty because the focus is on what one doesn't have rather than on what one does have. And ones who break out of poverty and really succeed are those who use what they have, what they, they use what they do have, are grateful for what they do have, and most of all aren't jealous of what others have. Basically, it's an attitude of self-belief and empowerment. This is prosperity now. It's an attitude of self-belief and empowerment rather than one of self-pity and jealousy that is thought to combat the destructive poverty mentality. And prosperity is not an abundance of money and things. It's also a mindset. Isn't that interesting? Like, that's a secular kind of understanding of the orphan and son thinking right there. It's kind of interesting. But but what's great about what God is that he wants to, like, adopt our financial heart so that we can be taught and we can be led by him and bring his wisdom and heavenly principles into our money situations. And what's amazingly true is that when you get close to God, you start thinking like he thinks. When you start, like, letting God into the area of money, you can start, you know, really letting loose, like, the principles that he kind of has and are in the Bible and are from heaven into our finances. And um, one one amazing you know, tool and, and a, a book of wisdom is the Proverbs. Like, there's so much about money in the Proverbs that is just basic fundamentals, but it really, you know, kind of feeds our, um, like, just the mindsets of our culture. It can really help to feed truth and how to um, do our finances from a godly perspective. So when we're adopted, he brings order and freedom. And and then what also happens, you know, and, and this is true for, for orphans in general, is, you know, when they come into being adopted, there's a new sense of security knowing that your needs are provided for. And I think that there's always an adjustment period. But but God really wants to provide, and he wants to to be 
the light in our eyes that shines in our dark situations financially. And, and I know this from experience that unless you wait on him, it's like you'll never see the provision because you jump into wanting to fix it or you jump into, you know, trying to make it happen, which is what an orphan does. But a, a son will wait and rest and rely on the Father. And, and you just can miss out on seeing what God can do if you jump into trying to make it happen for yourself. So it's like there's a waiting that happens there. And the more you know of him as your father, the more you will see the provision come. There's a truth that is, is so revealed through um, that verse where it talks about that we will be set free by the renewing of our mind. And when we continue to be renewed, we will see the change in our life. You know, it's just letting God in. And so that's why we're holding this class because we'll give you an opportunity to actually start letting the Lord kind of bring truth in, you know. So one way that you can kind of look at this whole issue of our, like, of God as our Father is looking at our earthly Father. And, um, we subconsciously a lot of times project onto God our ideas of what God is like from our earthly father. And so you can ask the question, how did my earthly father handle money? Or what, like, what did he model to you? And then what did my earthly father communicate to me about money? Or maybe you, know, maybe you would go to your father and say, can I have this when you were a kid? And if he would say, I can't afford it all the time, it would be really easy to, to see that God can't afford it, you know, to think and of, of God that way, that he can't afford it. And if he could afford it, would he give it to you? You know, you might have that question in your heart. But in John 14, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He will He will rescue us. And, um, yeah, I just had such a sense of rescue over this, that God wants to rescue those of us who are in difficult th- times and difficult situations. And um, he just wants to be that dad that comes in and just saves because he's good. <laughs> and um, I feel like he also wants to raise our expectation level for good. He wants to kind of give us a new hope and give us a new perspective that's good over our finances. Um, Yeah. So I think what I'd like to do is transition into, I could say a lot more, but I'm not going to. Um, I want to transition into ministry time. And um, we're going to do it in kind of segments. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at ungodly beliefs um, having to do with money. And so if you kind of identified one during that time, um, during the, the time earlier, if, if anything's come up, well, it's the second page is ungodly beliefs. We're just going to take some time and like individually just pray through an ungodly belief with the Lord. And um, let him reveal the truth to you and write it down and, um, you know, start using that truth as your foundation. And so we just want you guys to stay like in this room, but find like a place by yourself where you can stay in here and and just work on an ungodly belief. And then after like five minutes or so, we're going to transition and do um, a judgment on the next page. All right. And then from there, we're going to keep going. So. We're just going to give you an opportunity. So I'm just going to pray, and then you guys can find a spot in the room. So, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to come. And uh, we just thank you, Father, for our surrendered hearts in this area. And, Lord, uh, I just pray for a release of your healing, Lord, a release of um, open eyes and open ears 
Lord, that we will hear and see what you're doing and saying, and um, that you would reveal things to us, that you'd reveal truth to us, that you'd reveal your heart towards us, Lord. And uh, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for it, God. You're so good. You are so good, God. And if you have any questions, um, just raise your hand and someone will come around and um, help you or pray with you or whatever your need is. So go ahead and find a space in the room somewhere. And uh, if you're happy where you're sitting, that's awesome. Um, and then we'll we'll come back in like five minutes and talk about judgments. So I just got the sense that somebody um, might be feeling like um, a lie that they're believing is like money is scary. The the idea of how the money's going to come in, how it's going to be distributed out, it's just, I just feel fear and I feel scared about it. And um, so um, I just want to declare, you know, that God does not give us that spirit of fear and his desire and his truth is that you would feel his peace and that you would be able to rest and trust in him as he works everything out and uh so i just if that's you i just want to um encourage you to just renounce that lie and let him um just comfort you and bring in his truth
Okay, so let's um, transition now to judgments and expectancies. And if you're kind of in the middle of something, just um, you know, take this packet with you, obviously, and continue at home. Um, so yeah, if you realized as we've been talking that you judged someone, maybe God Himself, um, or a parent, or a boss, or somebody. Um, and you're reaping it, just go ahead and um, pray through the prayer at the bottom of page 3. And you can see which prayer to pray based on whether you're acting it out in your life or someone else is acting it out. And again, if you have any questions or you want somebody to pray for you, raise your hand.
God, I just thank you for the forgiveness that's being released all over this room and all these hearts. And I just thank you for all the laws of reaping and sowing that are being broken because of these prayers. I just thank you that they will not have to continue reaping um, the judgment that was sown. God, I just thank you. So good. Okay, let's um, turn the page and, and go into the generational. So if you noticed anything that you have going on in your life that also went on in your parents, your grandparents' lives, um, this is such a powerful prayer. You can ask for forgiveness on behalf of yourself and your family line. And um, that can be healed. So go ahead and, and pray that prayer. Do you want to see Also, like I know personally when I'm looking into this area, sometimes I just rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal things that are in my family line because I can't really tell. And I've prayed through things generationally and then found out, being led by the Holy Spirit and found out later, actual stories of that thing being in my family line. So... Um, you know, it really is beneficial to just let the Holy Spirit reveal things. If you have an inkling of something like, oh, I feel like, you know, just mistrust with money or not trusting in the Lord is really something, but I'm not sure, just pray through a generational anyway because chances are it probably is something. So, yeah, why don't we take some time and just do that. I just want to say, too, that these prayers are very powerful you know, I've prayed through some of these prayers, judgments, I got the release, and just seen an unlocking happen right away, you know, in my life. So you can enjoy the benefits as you pray through these. So, all right, let's do generational now. I just wondered, um, well, I want to let you know you can definitely work on these, continue what God's doing at home. Um, but if we could all kind of come back together, because I want to, I feel the sense of just God wanting to kind of break things off of people and et cetera, et cetera. I just have this stirring in my heart for some good old prayer, <laughs> good old prayer. Um, so why don't we all kind of sit kind of, you know, where we were closer together and um, just get into like receive mode and just receive. And we'll just kind of be led prophetically, you know, over each one of us and, and just receive. And then if anyone else is sensing anything, just let me know. Um, but I'd like for you guys to just receive from the Lord because I feel like he just wants to do some stuff. So. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to come and we just receive from you right now. We just thank you, Father, that you're here to minister. And I saw a picture of Jesus just kind of kneeling beside each one and just kind of doing personal ministry time. I felt like that was what was happening during that ministry time, but it's also happening now. And, you know, just the Lord is here to do some things. And, you know, that rescue that I was talking about, he just wants to cut some things off. And so I'm just going to start praying into what I'm sensing. And you guys can interrupt as you feel led. But, um, yeah, in Jesus' name, I just pray 
a cutting off of any shame or humiliation that has come from uh, unemployment or um, feel you know hard economic times or you know coming under times when there's no money. I just cut off shame right now in Jesus' name. I cut off humiliation or embarrassment in Jesus' name from the 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 not being able to pay bills or not being able to make ends meet. I just cut that off right now, and I just pray a washing and a cleansing of shame and humiliation and embarrassment right now in Jesus' name. And I just pray and declare over you, son and daughter of the Lord, that you are um, clothed in honor, that you are his honored daughter. And I just see God taking like kind of ragged clothes off of you and replacing them with beautiful robes, that that is who you are in his eyes. You are an honored son and daughter. You are clothed in, in beautiful robes of righteousness, and that is who you are. You are wrapped in his glory. And I just bless that over you guys in Jesus' name. And I just declare over your lives prosperous, that the word over your life is prosperous. And I just bless that over you, that that is the the picture that the Lord wants to paint in your life is prosperous. I bless that in Jesus' name. Just release joy. I just release joy in finances right now. And I just pray a washing in a way of discouragement, a washing away of... um, just disillusionment even about who God is and money. I just pray a washing away of that in Jesus' name, and I just pray uh, um, joy and hopeful expectation in Jesus' name. Um, God, I just pray that you would come right now, and Holy Spirit, that you would just cut off um, the spirit of jealousy, the spirit that would cause the our eyes to look to um, the other person and to compare that spirit of comparison to be broken in Jesus' name. God, that, um, that that spirit would no longer be able to almost like force the eyes to always look at what others have and downplay what um, you've given. And so I just... Um, I just bless the spirit of contentment over each one of us and the spirit of joy to to be um, risen up and that we would um, just be able to fully embrace and, and love what you've given us and the plan that you have for our life and the gifts you've given us. And, and where you've placed us, God, that we would um, be so thankful and... Um, and just be able to walk happily in the amazing plan that you made for for each one of us. Yeah, I just had a sense that there was a fear of the future, a fear of not having enough in the future, and that God wants to break that off. Maybe the fear of <clears throat> not having enough in retirement or for retirement, maybe a fear of even in the short term not... Um, not being able to to just make it. And so, Father, I pray that you just break off that spirit of fear. Lord, <clears throat> and that that sense of anxiety that, that just sits on on people that just continues to kind of turn in their mind and, and never give them peace. Lord, I just pray that you'll break that off right now, Father. I thank you that, thank you that we can trust you for tomorrow, Father. You, you see the sparrow. 
And you know when the sparrow falls, Father, you know the details of our lives, God. And I pray that you will just shift our hearts to trusting you, God, to trusting you. God, we can't worry about the future because you have that in your hands, Father. And I just thank you that you know the future and that the promise today that you're going to provide for everything that we need is the same promise that's tomorrow, that's the same promise after that. In Jesus' name. Yeah, um, I just um, felt like the Lord wanted to um, kind of give us an opportunity to to be adopted by Him financially, and um, and so and I feel like that kind of requires an action on your part. And so, um, if you would like to be ad- adopted, you know, financially by by the Lord, um, why don't you just hold out your hands, just offering yourself to Him, and um, And this repeat after me. I just say, Jesus, I repent. For in any way I've been like an orphan. In my heart and in my mind. I renounce orphan thinking and behaviors. Yeah. And then just say, Jesus, I uh, receive your love over me. And I say yes to your adoption. Thank you for adopting me. Yeah, amen. And I'm just going to declare over you, son and daughter, you are adopted. And I just see the Lord kind of signing some adoption papers in heaven. He's just signing the adoption papers. You are adopted. I am adopting you in this area, just in your heart. And um, you are my child. And... uh. You know, being adopted by the Lord includes, like, just entering into the process. And so, you know, if the Lord leads you to do some things, to make some changes in your life, um, please don't be afraid to do so and to step out. And so I just bless over each one of these guys a courage in their heart to step out as a son and a daughter of you, God, to step out in their finances and to take steps in that direction. And I just pray and and declare blessing and security and trust in Jesus' name and your lives. Blessing and security and trust and the favor of a son and a daughter. I bless that over you in Jesus' name. Um, Amen. Let's take that um, last page of the... um, This... Let's take the last page of the um, the packet. You have number five. And as an act of kind of trust in the Lord, let's stand up and say this together. And this is mo- almost all out of all scripture. Okay, are you ready to say this? This is this is us declaring with our mouths and letting our heart um, follow our our mouths. All right. So, one, two, three. I return the Lord and obey his voice, and the Lord my God will make me abundantly prosperous in all the work of my hand in everything. For the Lord takes delight in prospering me. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I am God's servant. So the Lord takes pleasure in my prosperity. God wants me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. 
The Lord my God teaches me to profit and leads me in the way I should go. God gives me power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. I keep the words of God's covenant and do them that I may prosper in all that I do. Both riches and honor come from God and he reigns over all. In his hand is power and might. In his hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. God is able to make all grace abound towards me, that I, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I know the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might be rich. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. All right, so that last bottom bit is for when you tithe and all that stuff. I just wanted to give that to you as a, as something to declare over your life and everyday life. And um, Joe, do you want to come on up? So I just want to like encourage you guys to to make declarations over your life. You know, even on a daily basis, especially when you're wanting to see change. Yeah, and I just um, was feeling from the Lord um, a real sense that um, we hear are forerunners of this. And um, that if we take what we were taught seriously and um, begin to really walk this out, that we will see transformation in the area of our finances. God said he is faithful and he is just. And in, in our sincerity and in our trust that we placed in him tonight, He is going to turn things around for us. Circumstances may not change where we're at right now, but he is going to turn things around, and we will have more than enough. Amen. That's good. Amen. Let's just give thanks to the Lord. Thank you so much, God. Give him a hand. Thank you so much, Jesus. We just celebrate you, God. We celebrate your goodness, Jesus. You are so good, Lord. We thank you so much for your goodness in our lives, God. We cannot thank you enough because you are good. You are so generous, Lord. You are so generous with us, Lord. You are so good. Lord, I pray that we would all be like Jesus as a son. Like He knew so well his father, and he just acted out out of that, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would have the heart of Jesus to be able to act out our knowing you, and, and walking that out in our finances. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Go out as sons and daughters of the Most High, for he is good.